When is this coaching football hire going to be made anyway? And who is at the top right now as things stand to get the job? And then, yes, finally, we've been hearing you hockey fans. We are going to talk about your top 10 ice hockey team over there in East Lansing with Jeremy Dewar of Spartans Illustrated. Let's go. You are locked on Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. It's daily fantasy sports made easy with Price Picks. Spartan friends, Spartan family, locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for spending some of your day with us here at Locked on Spartans. Your team in green and white five days a week, even during a busy Thanksgiving week, because, well, when the coaching searches, the hot button issue, yeah, we're going to be delivering a lot of Michigan State content your way. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel. And hey, again, any way you consume this media, whether it is on YouTube and dealing with looking at my face for a half hour every day, or hey, it's a little easier, just my voice on the ears on the podcast, can't thank you guys enough. So let's get into the mix here. Spartans Illustrated, who has been all over this coaching search so far, go subscribe to the fine folks over at Spartans Illustrated. They dropped some more news late Monday night. We're going to get into it right now. Who's the top guy or guys going into the rest of the week here in this coaching search? But first, I think an important storyline to talk about is when we should be expecting this hire to be made official. And also when we could start hearing a few things as well, because we all know that sometimes, well, things can leak out and be reported on two or three days before the university actually makes it official. I came out swinging. I got aggressive. I said, look, this is no inside information. This is just a hunch. I'm going to go Wednesday. The day before Thanksgiving is when we are going to start hearing some serious, serious rumors, some smoke around the fire that, hey, we got our guy. We'll see if that comes to fruition today. I Again, it was aggressive. I don't maybe think so anymore, but you never know. Now, why do I think that the timeline is going to be pushed back to this weekend, maybe even early next week? It's a few factors. One. What's in a few days? It's it's Thanksgiving. Not a lot of uni- university workers working around the clock. Now, it is a small group conducting this coaching search. And, you know, over on Oregon State side or maybe even Duke side, the Elko camp or the Jonathan Smith camp, the Lance Leipold camp, maybe they want to enjoy some turkey as well. So that has to be taken into consideration. But what might be a bigger underlying issue here is that Michigan State is also doing a president search right now as well. It is heavily rumored and also reported on by Spartans Illustrated as well that it's going to be Kevin Guskowitz. That's right. I had to Google that one. Kevin Guskowitz, chancellor at North Carolina right now. They can make this football hire before the president gets on board. But, man, I do wonder if they're going to wait until the president is here. And then one of the first things he's going to do, maybe even do this while he's on the private jet over to East Lansing. That's how quick it's going to be. Make this football coaching hire because... Look, I know that it's uh, it's just football. It's a head coach. Oh, come on. The president can't be too involved in that if he doesn't want to be right. The head football coach is more than likely going to be the highest paid employee of this university. So, yeah, I can understand why a new president might want to say in that. But, again, we'll see. It could happen before. 
I think it could happen after. So how long is this going to take? Is it going to drag into next week? Again, very well could. Should we panic if it drags into next week? Like, is that going to open up the doors for, say, let's see, after Saturday? Chip Kelly gets fired from UCLA, and there's an opening right there. Is that going to sway Jonathan Smith? Is that going to sway Jed Fish, another finalist for this job? Perhaps, maybe. Or let's say Florida opens up after this weekend. Is that going to make Mike Elko pause and say, hmm, well, thanks for the nice conversations over there in East Lansing, but I'm going to see what Gainesville has to offer. I'm going to interview there as well. I could see both ways why, hey, I would get a little worried. I do want this wrapped up by the weekend, but also... UCLA opens up. Okay, it's going to be heavily speculated that, all right, that's going to be Jed Fish's job. Florida, would they even want interest in Mike Elko? Who knows? But, hey, there's also reason to believe that this can be wrapped up by the end of this weekend because one thing that we harped on when we talked about this timeline earlier is that none of these coaches, save for, like, just absolute banana land going on in the Pac-12 this weekend, which I guess is possible, not probable, but possible, no coaches are going to be coaching conference championship games except for Jason Candle. And he's still, all due respect, kind of the fallback plan should the first four candidates turn Michigan State down. Now, Spartans Illustrated, they kind of uh, handicapped this horse race here. This is how they see things with the four finalists. Actually, a little more than four finalists. I shouldn't say that. But the first level of likelihood, they say is that Mike Elko slash Jonathan Smith, it's a 50% chance that one of those two is going to happen. The second level of likelihood, Lance Leipold or Jed Fish, a 30% chance of one of those two saying it. The third level of likelihood is the field with a 10% chance. Now the field could be Dave Clawson, Jake Dickert, someone that interviewed in the first round but just has not been confirmed to be going into the second round of interviews. Again, there could be some guys interviewing for the second time that we just don't know. That Spartans Illustrated just doesn't know, so that's the field. And then the fourth level of likelihood is Jason Candle or Harlan Barnett, a 10% chance. So going back to Mike Elko here, since he is one of the guys that, well, is heavily favored for this job, if we're going to take Spartans Illustrated's word for it, and also some side conversations I had as well, what they have is, is pretty accurate as well. So not only are they quadruple sourcing their work, but I just did a little homework on the side too. And that, that seems to be the way things are going right now. Let's talk about Mike Elko here and his relationship with the Texas A&M job that's also open because Texas A&M was where Mike Elko was a defensive coordinator at for quite some time. Spartans Illustrated pointed this out. Many people think that the Texas A&M job opening would negatively impact the Elko to MSU option, but Spartans Illustrated has it on good authority that Elko didn't enjoy his time at Texas A&M. All this information must be taken with a grain of salt, obviously, as sources can be run and people can change their mind. I've heard similar, and it's not too far-fetched to wonder why not. Texas A&M has about 30-ish donors, I would presume, that donate a ton of money to that university, to that football program specifically. Texas had this issue for a while too. Plenty of SEC teams had this issue for a while too before NIL even became a thing. But now that it's legal, you're going to start to see more of this if you already have it across the country where a lot of people that donate a ton of money to the school, they think that they're the athletic director. All right, when Mike Elko is at Texas A&M and he's hearing from donors about, hey, why aren't you playing this kid? We spent X amount to the, get this kid to Texas A&M and you aren't even playing him. What are you doing? It's a, yeah, you get a lot of money at Texas A&M. You got a lot of good resources. 
You also get a lot of annoying people in your ear and a lot of politics down there. And yes, look, Michigan State is no stranger to having a good pool of resources, a good NIL around it. But it's a different beast down at AM. And I think that he may have gotten a headache or two when he was down there. So between the two guys of Elko and Smith, Spartans Illustrated gives a slight lead to Elko. If they had to pick, they said, they said it's more speculation than anything, but that is how they see it right now. One thing I just want to reiterate one more time, though, in all of this, is that this whole search, the first two rounds of interviews, these guys coming back for a second round, showing interest in the job. A lot of state fans knew that this was a desirable job, but this all reiterates just, yeah, Michigan State is a legitimate program. And I think, again, us state fans knew this. There may have been some that were a little worried going into this process when you hear the national media say, oh, yeah, no, I think Chris Creighton would be good for the job. Or, oh, Jim McElwain or Pat Shermer or Tony Anise or, I don't know, Hope College's special teams coordinator. Like, you're hearing all these names from, whether it be Detroit media or national media, it's like, whoa, that's who we're stooping to? But look, if you look at the four finalists here, Given the market this offseason, these are some of the best, if not the best candidates that you can have on paper. I know it's not Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer not even come back for any program. All right. And I get that AM might reach out to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, I don't think is ever going to leave the SEC. And I know that Dan Lanning's name was attached to Texas AM as well. I don't think he's going to leave personally. And even if he wanted to leave, Let's say Michigan State gets in. Right now, they're targeting about a six to seven million dollar contract per year. Let's say they offer Dan Lanning nine million a year. Got really aggressive. I think Oregon was going to match that anyway. And right now, you have two guys, at least at the top of the list Jonathan Smith, one guy who's debating leaving his alma mater, a program that he built to a top 15 team. He's going to leave him for Michigan State. That means that MSU is a pretty desirable job. Or Mike Elko down at Duke, rumor has it that, hey, money-wise, it's doing pretty good. They're competing with other contract offers that Mike Elko would have fished or is currently fishing this offseason at about six-ish million dollars per year. But what does MSU have? Better resources, better assistant pool, top 15 revenue, top 20 attendance. This is a desirable job. I know the haters are sick about it, but hey, I just want to make sure that everyone knows this. After a few weeks of hearing these ridiculous candidates for Michigan State's job, that yeah, if these guys are still gunning for a Michigan State job, this is the best list that you can have. And they are also returning the favor by continuing these conversations. So, again, we'll see when this wraps up. Hopefully sooner than later. I'm a very impatient person, especially after you sit on a coaching search for eight weeks. I'm sure you guys are sick of this too, but hey, stay tuned. Again, if any big news drops, you know where to find us locked on Spartans. Folks, we're going to be getting to the ice rink here in a little bit, but first need to talk your ear off about prize picks, a leader in daily fantasy sports. And look, as, as if prize picks wasn't fun enough to play, as if it wasn't easy enough to play where you just pick some players, look at their projected stats and guess over or under, and you're not even playing against anyone. You're just playing against yourselves and your own picks as if all that wasn't easy and fun enough. They want to add a little excitement to you as well and comfort really because prize, prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured, that's right. You heard me right. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. God, 
How, how many times can you see that? I, quite literally, not often because they're the only one that does it. They also want to get you winning early on. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. It's Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Also need to talk your ear off about homefieldapparel.com. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm rocking my home field lawn sleeve t-shirt. If you're listening to the podcast, let me try to paint you a picture of what home field apparel is all about. Yes, they have the great vintage logos, not just for Michigan State, but for schools across the country. As sweet as these logos feel, as sweet as these logos look, you're going to feel that much better when you slip on this t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt, sweatshirt, hoodie, even a hat as well. They make it all over at home field. They make it stylish. They make it comfortable. And now with Black Friday going on right now, they're making it a little cheaper as well. If you smash in promo code Black Friday, all one word, Black Friday, that's going to get you 20% off of your order. Stock up for the holidays, stock up for yourself, or maybe even the Spartan in your life. Again, at homefieldapparel.com, promo code Black Friday. That's at homefieldapparel.com. It is about time, and I have no one to blame other than myself for it being this long before we are joined by Jeremy Dewar, all things hockey over at Spartans Illustrated. Jeremy, how on earth are you doing? What a silly, silly question after Michigan State's start to the season. But I'll ask it anyway. How are you doing? Are you doing okay over there? Doing well. It's uh, it's good that you finally didn't run away from me in this Spartans Illustrated yep. room this week. Um, <laughs> I've been chasing you down now. It's, it's yeah. good, man. It's uh, Outside of being a Bears fan, it was almost the perfect sports weekend. But all my friends got to have a perfect sports weekend. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, I, I I was smiling at like 4 p.m. ish on Sunday. I'm like, what what better than your friends smiling other than yourself? Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. that. Selfless um, times. Over this weekend too, your Michigan State icy Spartans over there had a nice little stretch. Uh, they just beat you know number one Wisconsin, gave the Badgers their second and third loss of the season. That puts Michigan State at 10, three and one on the season and now ranked number seven in the latest poll. Now for this hockey discussion, we're going to hit it from both ends. People that just only watch it from afar. Jeremy's going to break it down. Talk to us like we are school children. Make things very easy. But if you're a serious puckhead, we're going to try to get into a little bit of that too. So Jeremy, here's question number one. You ready for this? This is going to be a heavy hitting question. How? How has Michigan State got off to such a hot start? Like, what what is the secret recipe for this 10-3-1 start for MSU? Uh, I mean, talent influx. Talent helps a lot, man. It's okay. uh, the, the floor was raised extremely quickly, um, you know, through some talented freshmen coming in, uh, a little bit of improvement of some current players through Adam Nightingale, but he also hit the portal hard, and he hit the portal well. Um, gotcha. You know, guys like Ike Howard, who are a first-round NHL pick coming to you as a sophomore, is a, is a nice little get that you can grab out of the portal. Um, and then when you can, in July, get the top five NHL defensemen, you know, rising NHL defensemen to come in, uh, that's a good get, too. So, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, we have geopolitics, so thanks for that. But it's, you know, you'll take it any way you can get it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a talent influx has been – insane to think about where i mean the guys who were on your first or second line a couple years ago like i appreciate their hard work but it's, they wouldn't even be in the lineup now it's just it's insane to think how wow, okay it's been. 
turned around and uh yeah it's it's fun <laughs> it's fun i don't even know how else to say it besides just yeah just all that talent because it was such like oh god dire straits for msu hockey for quite some time like a better part of a decade and now like I, just banging out you know top five wins almost on the regular over here so yeah. after this hot start i know we're just 14 games into the season here but what are the goals here at the end of the year? Has anything changed from the start of the year? Like after watching them beat Wisconsin twice at home, is it like, well, oh, oh, hold on here. Maybe there's a top five team we got in our hands. Maybe the Big Ten title's coming home. Like, well, in your opinion, what is the, the realistic top goal for this team? Uh, I mean, so so I wouldn't say because of the Wisconsin series, because I'm also going to admit I'm a little bit of a hater on Wisconsin. So I think okay, the sweep was what I, I honestly would have expected a sweep. Um, both preseason and even coming into the weekend, like, yeah, they were number one, but uh, I didn't think that they at, at Mun would beat us. Um, but I look at like a weekend, like what's coming up here at Minnesota, that could mm-hmm. sway me a little bit more. Um, seeing, you know, coming into the season, I think I said second place in the league uh, behind either whoever was better between Minnesota and Michigan. And I just figured we'd be sandwiched between them. Um, as we're about, like you said, 14 games in, Michigan has definitely had their struggles. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be them or Minnesota that we'll be battling with. But uh, yeah, I think for me now, I think someone asked me yesterday at one of the boards, you know, kind of where it was at. I said, I think the floor, the floor is that you're an NCAA bubble team. Like, and that's just like the bottom comes out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But the ceiling is you have Trey Augustine in net and you have a top five defenseman. You have frontline talent like all the NCAA tournament takes is four wins so I I mean if you get in you can get hot behind Trey Augustine like they did on Saturday night against Wisconsin sure. a game that they probably should have lost uh, I mean they were pretty bad for about 30 minutes the 30 middle 30 minutes of that game um but uh yeah I think I think the ceiling is an NCAA title like to be honest like it's not saying that, not calling the shot but it's oh yeah you are go. that's where you go with it yeah no, I'm going to edit all this in post-production to make it sound like that you are, are guaranteeing a national title. So th- snip, thank snip you for that. that. Thanks. Th- th- yeah. Thanks for that soundbite. Appreciate that. <laughs> no. Um, so you, you've already named, you know, some of the top names like Augustine Howard. Is there anyone that is, you know, not a first round NHL talent or that isn't supposed to be, you know, wearing an NHL sweater here in a few years that you're really impressed by? Like someone that has developed over the years or uh, an unsung hero so far this season. Um, I mean, I think Davin O'Connell is probably one that stands out. Uh, he's had, you know, granted, I think, you know, he's having eight or nine goals, but he, he stacked them up in about three games because he went off there for a little bit. Um, okay. But Gavin was a guy who was, you know, committed elsewhere um, last season and just no announcement, no nothing, just all of a sudden flipped to MSU on like signing, well, the version of signing day that we have for hockey. So there wasn't a lot of time to build up. Uh, maybe a lot of anticipation about Gav. Like, I think it was just one of those things like, oh, hey, he flipped his commitment. He was going to Duluth before. That's a pretty good spot. Maybe he's a a pretty good player, but he's come in and had much more of an impact than I think anyone really thought he would early on. Um, And it's just the goal scoring has been pretty widespread. Like, I will say coming out of like this last weekend, it maybe doesn't always show up on the goal sheet. The fourth line has been amazing. Like Tanner Kelly... Tony Manisto and uh, Tieran Shouty, like they bother the hell out of whoever's on the ice. <laughs> they, they draw a lot of penalties. They they take a few themselves. Uh, but like 
that's the thing that's the biggest difference too is when you can roll your fourth line and it doesn't matter what they throw over the boards if you're able to keep up with them then when you throw your first line against their fourth you're going to win so um it's it's been up and down the lineup really no one no one making mistakes and or at least bad enough mistakes to get sat because there's a lot of competition that's sitting in the stands every night so you got to hold on to your spots so. yeah no doubt. And we're going to get into like what stat is impressing you the most or just what on the ice is impressing you the most. We're going to get a little into the recruiting world as well. But first, Jeremy, I hate to do this to you. I got to send you to the penalty box. That's right. Not the bench. We're using a hockey term today. I've got to send you to the penalty box because I got to talk to people's ears off about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you got to go check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free so what are you waiting for gang add your job to linkedin jobs add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your linkedin profile to spread the word that you are hiring simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors so what are you waiting for gang linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster so post your job for free at linkedin.com locked on college that's linkedin.com locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions you got that right buster they apply and let's get Jeremy Dewar of Spartans Illustrated back into the mix here. And Jeremy, look, I, I love watching hockey. It's fun. It's great. I cannot break it down as good as you can. I want to get ahead of that right now. I'm not going to claim to be some puckhead over here. And I was also doing additional homework, looking at the stats, where MSU stacks up in the Big Ten individually as a team, this, this, and that. And heavens to Betsy, they're, they're like almost top three in every category, especially individually, there's at least one Spartan in like shorthand goals, points, assist, yes, this and that. What has impressed you, whether it's in the stat sheet or not? What has like impressed you the most so far this season? Man, I think special teams has uh, was something that was impressive last year. So I don't think that's been. I think they've maintained what I thought they could do on the power play and, and penalty kill. I think for me. Um, some of the scoring they're getting from their defensemen has been a, a big jump up. Uh, and, and overall, I remember, like, I can't remember what the year was. Last year they got over the 100-goal mark for, like, the first time in something like 10 years or something gotcha. like that. And they're going to blow past that this year. Like, okay. It's not even going to be close. Like, they're averaging over, I, I want to say it's, like, four-something goals a game right now. So wow. um, that's just uh, such a huge jump compared to where it was. And – and on average, like college hockey tends to be a little bit lower scoring than like a uh, an NHL game. It's kind of different. Like, you know, I feel like college football is all wide open and right. more scoring than the NFL. Like college hockey, just you tend to get really hot goalies who are like 23 and they just <laughs> you just ride your goalie and it's lower scoring. Like a lot of these teams uh, just play really defensive systems. They don't have the high end talent to, to go up and down the ice. So uh, having the goals that MSU has right now is just. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought they'd be more talented, but still needing to win a lot of 3-2 games, 2-1 games, things like that. And right now, like, it's – if Augustine keeps it under four, you have a yeah. shot to win that any night, so. To borrow an adage from Tom Izzo, we don't want this team to get too fat and sassy. Like, I, I know the whole hockey team, they, they don't miss an episode of Lockdown Spartans. So, well, we're over here blowing sunshine up their butt. 
let's knock them down a peg or two. Like, what, what is – is there anything still missing from this team glaring that you're like, well, we're getting away with this so far, 14 games in, but mm, if we hit the road to Minnesota, this could be our Achilles heel. Is there anything like that, or is the season just going so well that the answer is not really? I mean, that, that could be an answer too. Uh, I think there's two things. I think one thing is uh, getting on that special teams. Like, they are one of the most penalized teams in the country. Okay. Um, little inflated like the, that series at Boston College like you'll learn in college hockey every every conference has refs that call it completely different hockey okay. tends to be very very tight a lot of a lot of penalties against um so coming out of that weekend like it, they've gotten it back under control a little bit but still you know way too many penalties a night that you don't need to take um putting your team on shorthand opportunities now like you said they've they've turned that into some shorthanded goals like they're still able to to turn yeah. it into a goal opportunity for them. But it, it's just something that when you're going to play a team like Minnesota, especially on their on their rink, even though it's a little bit smaller than it used to be, you still don't need to give them all that time and space. Uh, so if you can avoid the box, that's one. And other than that, I think the defensemen are just really young, and there's just been a lot of uh, some sloppy turnovers. Uh, it was really bad the weekend at Air Force, um, especially the night they lost at Air Force. There's like two or three just awful giveaways that you just can't have. And – uh, they've had a few of those happen since, but again, I think it's just something you got young guys and they play such a fast style that like, you're going to, sometimes you go too fast, you're going to break it. And it, so it happens, but um, you play a team like Minnesota or Michigan and that's, you really need to avoid that. So those are the couple things they need to clean up uh, as they uh, get into maybe the heavier parts of the league. I'm glad you brought up the Minnesota ice because that was one of my favorite quirks in college hockey is that they, they played on a sheet of ice that you could land a 747 on like the, the, the Olympic style ice. Like I know it was a, probably a pain in the butt for any opposing team like Michigan state, but a nice little quirk of college hockey there. Um, it is. As I mean, and just so you know, like I said, it's getting smaller. Wisconsin actually just got theirs too. It gets okay. the most dad like appropriate reason why is that, all their cooling units are needing to be updated and it's really ah. expensive when they're bigger. So, and all the yep. new products are made for an NHL sheet. So uh, those are kind of going away. It's a little sad. Like it's kind of, like you said, it's a fun quirk of college hockey. I but, know. Uh, yeah. They're, they're shrinking down a little bit for, for cost. End of an era. End of an era. Uh, this country's gotten soft, Jeremy. Um, so when it comes to this road trip at Minnesota, who, by the way, Minnesota ranked number eight in the latest hockey poll, what is the expectation? Is it just get a point? Is it two wins? But, like, what, what are we looking at here for Michigan State fans as they hit the road to a traditional powerhouse like Minnesota? I mean, one is we – I think my first appearance last year was right before Minnesota. We were all feeling good, and then we got – Yeah. So, the one is yep. let's get a win. Let's get on the board. Um, yep. You know, I think I think a split is is what you go in hoping for. Okay. Um, like, the, the way I would look at every Big Ten series really outside of – uh, I mean, I would say outside of maybe Ohio State because I think they're probably the lowest in the league. But outside of Ohio State, I think every Big Ten team you look at, you say you want to hopefully sweep on home, sweep at home and split on the road. And if you can do that, you should feel pretty good about, you know, the end of the year where you sit, um, both nationally and in the league. So I think for, for the team like this week, it's just go get a split, at least get that. Love to get the one on Friday night so you can go into Sunday. Sure. Uh, looking for the sweep, but it's just, I don't think they've played anyone like this outside of Boston college. And they, they struggled at Boston college. I mean, they, they probably played probably about 
a game's worth of good nights out in Boston College, like three periods out of the six. So uh, gotcha. they've got to put a whole game together and and really bring it this weekend. But here's a silly little question that has nothing to do with the the players, the coach, or, or really not anything. It has to do with the fans. How buzzing is Mun this season lately? Like, is is there a, a like a energy that you could feel is different than the last ten years leading up to it? Is is it the place to be this winter so far? Yeah, I mean, so I I think I've been to Mun twice this season. Okay. So I haven't been in, in as much as often as I wanted to, but um, yeah, man, especially like I even went to the out of conference games, which usually I you kind know it's such a weird yeah. time I feel like around here. Like it was also. Pr- already the football season was falling apart. So I think people just needed something at that point. <laughs> sure. But at the same time, like there's definitely like you, you watch the team account and it seems like every Tuesday they're putting out like, Hey, all we have left is standing room only. All we have left is standing room only. And like, that's usually something you maybe see in a February or March as we're getting towards the end of the hockey season and, and bat and football has been done and basketball is just about to get ready for March madness. Like you start to see that, but to see that for hockey games in like October is, a totally different animal for, for everything going yeah. on here. So, um, and just on campus, even like just working with students around campus, like I see a lot more hockey shirts. I see a lot more, uh, you know, some who like know me, recognize me, say like, Hey, I got my student season tickets. And like, it's just, it seems like there's a much less of a drop off between like his own is up here and then going to hockey games is down here. It's, it's, yeah. it's getting back to where you want tickets to both. So you can do both, you know? So. Nature's healing. Look at that. And I can't let you go into the rest of your Thanksgiving week here without asking you about recruiting. Where are we at in the cycle? Is there any big news or is just the biggest news that they were able to secure the latest class with that signing day that just happened not too long ago? Yeah. So, I mean, hockey, hockey signing day is a little bit different. It's you can play junior hockey until you're 21. So a lot of guys are still at this point in the year. um, The guys who are signing for next season have basically been told, hey, you're good. You're, you're coming to play college hockey. I think they're still going to probably sign two to three more guys out of uh, their commits, but it's going to be basically a little bit of a competition between that group. Like, Hey, if you, okay. if you want to make it like we maybe are only taking one more defenseman, there's two of you, uh, you guys got to play it out. Whoever we're feeling stronger about gets to come in uh, the other one back to junior for another year. Um, gotcha. And that's before you even get into the portal and figure out what's going <laughs> to like I, the roster management is going to be a little interesting to figure out. But, uh, I mean, the main thing for for MSU is that they did sign the three players off the NTDP that they had committed. Um, they are Austin Baker, Lucas Van Vliet, and Shane, Shane Van Sehe, who just committed back in, I think, July or August, um, all signed uh, for on signing day. So I'd expect all three of them here. Uh, I think the biggest news in recruiting in the early part was uh, maybe – we did have a flip that went to Michigan, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, he signs and is there next year. Christian Humphreys, um, definitely, you know, a player that I liked and I was intrigued by. But uh, just from talking to some people around it, I think as we just talked about, I don't think he was one that was going to be signed to come in next year. So, gotcha. Uh, he, hey, you know, coach tells you you're not going to come play college hockey if you got somewhere else to go that can take you. You get it. But I think that'll make the rivalry a little fun to have some. Yeah. Yeah, it completes the Trey Augustine trade, and I think we're okay with that. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. And, again, I'm, I'm sorry it took this long, 14 games of the season, to get some hockey talk in. I know that a lot of listeners have been looking forward to this one. So 
really appreciate your time, your expertise, and just giving the folks a nice, friendly face to look at on YouTube. You know, like, look, look at you, man. This has been a, a hoot and a half. Anything you want to leave us with before we let you go enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving week here? No, man. Just uh, get, you know, carbo load up. I know you, yeah. uh, I, I felt you so bad with uh, your last SD4L talking about the tailgates coming up here Friday and how you're not I'm scared for it. I'm scared. Uh, yeah, man. That was me, the Nebraska yeah. game. I had a babysitter for <laughs> the Nebraska game and, uh, yeah. It didn't go well. So uh, wrap it up, you know, carbo load on Thursday. You're, you know, get a good base and uh, we'll be, we'll be fine. You'll play through. I don't know if I will, but we're going to try our best. We're, we're going to carbo load. We're going to start hydrating right when I end this call. And yeah, we're just going to put it in fate's hands for Friday. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But gang, until then, speaking of Friday's game, next episode, we're going to break down Friday's game, get to know Penn State a little bit more with Zach Seiko of Locked on Nittany Lions, and then we'll have a little bit of an MSU versus Arizona basketball preview in that show as well. But, hey, until then, you beautiful people, have a great week. Love you all. Go Green.